you are listening to The Janine Garner Show. Janine is a leading expert on leadership and driving influence through networking and collaboration, passionate about bringing brilliant people together to achieve remarkable results. Join Janine Garner as she shares insights, interviews and conversations, and let's together make the remarkable happen. Welcome to the latest episode of Unleashing Brilliance. Uh, My name is Janine Garner, and today I will not be your host of this episode. Uh, This episode, we're turning the tables, and the amazing Chad Littlefield from the USA is actually going to uh, take over this podcast as host, interviewing me. Uh, There is nothing like facing your fear and doing it anyway, and nothing like letting go of control, and nothing like putting yourself in the hands of another awesome interviewer. So please welcome the amazing Chad Littlefield interviewing me, Janine Garner. Hey, welcome everybody. A new voice for you, Chad Littlefield here, hosting Janine Garner on her own podcast coming to you all the way from um, the United States to ask a bunch of questions with the hope of gleaning some of Janine's brilliance on her new book. Janine, I'd love for you to um, kick off just by telling us uh, what's the title of the book? How did you come to the subtitle of the book? And we'll start there. And I've got a a word that I love to dig into based off that uh, subtitle. Oh, well, this, this is such a, a curious experiment, Chad, and uh, all parts of what being brilliant is all about in terms of this, this willingness to uncover parts of yourself that previously you may not have known that will ultimately help you to become better. Uh, So the book is called Be Brilliant, How to Lead a Life of Influence. And where did this book come about? Um, My two previous books, uh, the first book I wrote was called From Me to We, and it was very much uh, a reflection of me leaving my corporate world uh, to set up my own business. And the book came about really because I'd become so frustrated about Uh, the continuous dialogue around collaboration, and yet people didn't seem to be collaborating in the right way. And when I left corporate, I set up my own business that was based very much on the theories that I wrote in that book. And the result of my business and and the people that became part of that community were just phenomenal. But after sort of a couple of years of having written that book and just watching people and behaviour, Um, I really identified that uh, one of the critical pieces that was missing in people was this ability to learn how to connect, which is where we've connected, Chad. Um, You know, this this need to surround yourself with with a great group of people, this this need to actually change the concept from networking to connection and understanding that connection is all about being yourself and being yourself is about being human. And if we surround ourselves with a small, tight group of people, we can actually achieve more. And that's where the second book, It's Who You Know, came from. But then I started getting curious about something still missing. <clears throat> There's something missing in this connection space, in this, in this space of uh, being able to collaborate effectively and unlock ideas. And I started, and in fact, if, if we ever go back that, you know, I've realized that throughout my entire life, I've had this fascination of what it does make the difference. How do people really connect? And I started a podcast, uh, Unleashing Brilliance. 
And that podcast, um, in its essence, in those early days, was very much around there's got there's something else, there's something I'm missing here around what it is that uh, helps people pursue their dreams, achieve success, influence more. And so that podcast started out with the whole intention of uh, bringing people uh, into other people's uh, cars or land rooms that I know and uh, asking them questions to, to ultimately unlock the secrets, the brilliance to their own success. And it was through those podcasts that I started to hear um, all of, a whole heap of strategies that actually were all very similar. Um, and it didn't matter whether you were a business leader, a world-class athlete, a thought leader. There were these, um, these, these four key principles that were coming out over and over and over again in terms of the tipping point between being, being good, being okay, um, to actually this tipping point of pushing through the questioning to achieving brilliance. And that's when I then went away and started interviewing even more people, researching even more data, and ultimately uh, that the result of that is the book Be Brilliant and the four laws of, of brilliance that I talk about in that book. Beautiful. Okay, so, so uh, Be Brilliant, How to Lead a Life of Influence. The word influence uh, is a big word, and so I want to break it down a little bit, and I love that you just shared that uh, you saw these four themes come out. And so I'm wondering, this might be a little thought process, by the way, as I ask questions, uh, silence is a beautiful thing. So feel free to ponder as well. Um, but I'm, I'm curious for you, if you can share those four um, elements by, but attach them to people's names who you feel like uh, exemplify that in a really concrete, beautiful way. Yeah, no, that's, that's, a, that's a really gorgeous question. The people's names are going to be the interesting ones. Um, yeah. <laughs> you can describe them if you, if you forget their names, but, but had an experience with them. I through my brain who am I allowed <laughs> to actually mention. Um, so so I think if, if we just step back one, one little bit around this influence, what I've been seeing and this was happening way before COVID, but it's almost been exemplified during this current period of time that we're in, was in our desire to succeed, we're actually exhausting ourselves. Um, we seem to have been obsessed with acquiring stuff, and yet we're still unhappy. We've been obsessed with building connections and the amount of people we know and followers on social media, and yet we're still feeling disconnected. And we have seen this massive desire for self-investment in terms of learning and acquiring skills and capability, and yet everybody I speak to is still struggling with self-doubt and a lack of self-belief and this feeling that they're imposter. And that's where I started going, it's, this, is, this is just, there's something missing. And what I realized through all those conversations and all that research that I did is as much as the world can be moving really quickly around you, as much as organizations can be evolving and society is changing at the rate of knots and all of that has literally had a rocket under it in terms of where we're at right now. Um, that is feeding these feelings of disconnection, of, of fractured working, of um, uncertainty about what to do, of anxiety. And yet within all of that, the only thing 
The only thing that is consistent is you. The only thing that you can you have control over is the person that you are, the person you are being, and the person you want to become. And that became sort of the context around which the interviews that I was having and the research that I was doing was, was underpinned. And the four laws that I have written about in Be Brilliant essentially talk to this concept of it is impossible to connect with other people or to lead other people in the right way or to magnify the people around you unless you connect with yourself first, you lead yourself first, you magnify yourself first. And the essence is we have to stop beating ourselves up about our imperfections and actually embrace them and bring ourselves to everything that we do. We have to stop trying to fix our limitations and apologize for uh, what we don't have and in instead actually essentially fall in love with ourselves again. And so the four laws, law one talks predominantly to to the starting point is about being you. It's about owning your spotlight. And when you can uh, start understanding this unique and perfectly beautiful, imperfect individual that you are, and start owning it for all your strengths, all your weaknesses, all your wobbly bits, all the jiggly bits, then you've actually got nothing to hide. You've actually got nothing to prove. And all you have to do is just bring your best of yourself into your conversations, into your businesses, into your style of leadership. And that requires you to know you. It requires you to own the journey that you're on and have focus over the direction that you're going. So I often say to people, companies own jobs, but you own your career. And so this ownership piece is critical. And most of all, own what you're great at. And no one understand that that's a moment in time. And so throughout the book, as I, I'll, you know, I often sh I've shared many of my own stories of, of coming to this realization. But in that particular law, you know, there's a there's a fabulous CEO here in Australia. Uh, he ran uh, one of our biggest department stores, um, probably similar to what would it be, Neiman Marcus um, in the in the US. And he started life as uh, literally on the shop floor and pretty much built his career over, God, I think it was like 15 to 18 years going up through the ranks, ultimately became CEO of David Jones. And he took over that position when uh, the company, um, when retailing was being really challenged, uh, where it was all about cash is king, where uh, footfall into stores was on decline, where digital was starting to come into, into play and challenge that traditional infrastructure of retailing. The other part of Paul is he's a passionate advocate for diversity, inclusion and belonging. And his story, when he shared with me his story, you know, for many years, he would hide who he was. Um, he came from a country town, uh, you know, he put on the bravado of what it meant uh, to be a man, um, and then in all his organisation about what it meant to be a leader. <clears throat> and he shares really openly that the moment he stepped into his space to own his spotlight, as I am a gay male leader here in Australia, building this company, 
and I will absolutely stand up for who I am. Um, he said his career just took this trajectory because no longer was he having to make fake it till he made it. And he talks a lot about, you know, <clears throat> we've, we've really, we spend so long trying to advise people of who to become that, that we risk faking it till we make it. We risk conforming. And actually it's the individuality, it's, it's all of the facets of ourselves that when we can own them, just unleashes this incredible opportunity to be the person that you are supposed to be. And so his story really resonates with me uh, when, I, when we talk about this concept of owning your spotlight. And he is very open um, in terms of his views politically, um, the challenges he's making, but also his incredible leadership in our country, in Australia, and how he's both evolved and, and move the business David Jones. And now he actually runs, I think, the retailing association here, here in Australia. Um, what so, a beautiful, I mean, that gave, gave me chills when you actually just uh, shared and stated uh, when, when he said, I am, like, I am, and then stated and owned who he was, gave me chills to yeah. um, hear that, right? And it, it yeah. makes makes him accessible to others because otherwise you've got that um, the bravado or whatever we uh, put on whatever whenever you're not owning who you are and you're putting on what you uh, think you want people to be it's actually just a brick in a wall that's right. that's, uh, that's preventing people yeah. from connecting with you and so yeah. it's beautiful and it, ah. it is I mean part of it is is uh, I interviewed a fabulous lady from the UK she is the uh, uh, CEO of a company called oh my gosh marketing. Academy, I think, uh, Sherilyn Shackle. And she made me laugh so much because we were talking about what stops us from owning our spotlight. And she went, I'll tell you what stops us, Janine, Mildred. <laughs> I literally, I tell this story in the book again, Mildred? Literally, who the hell is Mildred? And she started telling me this story about you know, the voices in our heads, which we've all got, you know, the, the family voices, society voices, professional voices, cultural voices. And she said, I just realized that the voices in my head were holding me back. And, and so I decided to name my voice. And her voice is an orangutan called Mildred. And so she said she literally is walking into a room and she's struggling with this self-doubt and wondering what she's going, shut up, Mildred. I'm good. Shut up, Mildred. <laughs> I think part, <laughs> part of this is we've got to go and own the voices and go, seriously, which ones are these right? Which, which ones do I, that these do I really have to listen to? And, and I get you trying to keep me safe, but it's time to renegotiate this contract because I'm okay. It's time for me to, to go out there. And so this inter, I've got, I'm such a visual person, Chad, in my head, I've literally got a picture, a cartoon going on right now between an orangutan and Sherilyn. But how many of us do that? And it stops us from being the best of ourselves, from being open. You know, we talk about authenticity and vulnerability. And yet I go, so many of us know those words, but we're not living and breathing it because we haven't yet. We're not yet vulnerable with ourselves and authentic with ourselves. Uh, and that's the challenge. Yeah. Oh, so uh, what a powerful, a like, concrete visual, Mildred, the orangutan, and because otherwise it's it's ethereal, right? You can't uh, put a name to that voice. So c can I ask you, as you say the words vulnerable and authenticity, um, can I ask you a potentially vulnerable question yeah. in this moment? Yeah, go for it. I'm, I'm curious for you, whoever your Mildred is, whoever your voice is, um, 
you know, people are going to be uh, reading your book and gleaning this uh, brilliance. And I'd love to know, um, what is the voice, uh, what is Janine's voice of self-doubt sound like in, oh. uh, in moments? Oh, my goodness. Um, my absolute fear, if I'm honest, is, uh, is failure. It's, it's people, this fear of uh, almost being called out a fear of not being good enough, a fear of uh, just almost being cut off at the knees for what I think. And that's held me back for a long time, Chad. I, sh I share in my book, you know, throughout, I, I had a really solid corporate career, um, a traditional growth through that corporate career. You know, I started out as a, went to uni, graduate trainee, uh, worked my way up the corporate ladder, just constantly striving, proving, striving, proving. And all the time just being riddled with self-doubt. Am I good enough? Am I going to get found out? Uh, um, and I know where it comes from. So the voices in my head are actually there, planted as a child. Um, you know, I, live, I grew up in a massively uh, working class family. Uh, the heritage, the cultural heritage of my family is miners from the north of England. Now, I grew up during Thatcher's eras when there were miners' strikes, where power got cut off, where we were toasting bread on the fire. I can still remember as a kid. And so what that created in the family unit was, was lots of discussions around, you know, my dad would say, you know, where there's muck, there's brass. I just work hard and you make your bed, you lie in it, love. And it was very much this, this, this thing of don't put your head up, uh, just keep quiet, uh, don't get found out, as well as over, overpinned with everybody else was against us. So the rich Londoners in England, there's this massive north-south divide, you know, constant barrage about, you know, the rich, the rich Londoners and, uh, you know, massively racial, actually. When I think about my childhood, I'm so embarrassed about the conversations around the kitchen table because it was all about uh, all these fabulous people coming into the country, but the language I heard was they're stealing our jobs. We haven't got enough money, X, Y, Z. And so I literally ran away from that at the age of 18. And um, the eyes were opened up when I got to uni. I had to, the government actually had to pay for me to go to uni. We couldn't afford it. So I had to apply to uni. I had to work damn hard to get the grades. And the government actually paid for me to go to uni and the whole of the four years of me being there. Uh, and so I'm forever grateful at opportunities that are presented. And um, that's my journey started with that change that I forced myself to do. And um, but what, what it left me with and still leaves me with is this constant uh, voice going, keep quiet, don't stand up, don't speak up, uh, watch out, someone's going to come out for you. So, so to put that into perspective, even writing this book, um, if you speak to my editor, there was a moment where I'm literally going, oh, my God, I can't write this. I actually can't write this book. And she's going, what are you talking about? I said, I am no Brennan Brown. I haven't done a PhD. I haven't done X, Y, or Z. And she just went, Janine, your life is the story that people want to hear. And it was just like, okay, so it's, even now I'm starting to feel, I'm slightly hyperventilating, Chad, because it is scary putting your work for me, putting my words out there, putting my thoughts and opinions out there for other people to comment on knowing full well that some will love it, some will not like it, some will 
uh, rave about it, some will disagree with it, and actually going, surrendering to the process. And it's this, I've had to teach myself to surrender to my inner critic and self-doubt because I know that equally what I have to say and share will absolutely support other people that may be exactly like me, that want to lead better. And I remember a conversation, the person that, that helped me get there, uh, one of my very good friends is a lady called Lane Beachley. You may know her, she's a seven times world champion surfer and she lives locally to me and she's an incredible woman. I mean, for a start, how many seven times world champion surfers are and she's a woman in that industry. And um, I was at, uh, we were, I was at Thought Leaders actually one day and she walked in and uh, she said something to me like, oh, Jenny, I just want to say, I really loved that work that you've done on so-and-so, so-and-so, and it's really helped me too. And I, typical North of England, Janine, humble style, like, oh yeah, no worries, blah, 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 and tried to move the conversation on. And she got so angry with me, Chad. She literally, I, I felt like a six-year-old. She literally said, Janine, can you stop it? And I went, what? She said, what right do you have to not let me say thank you for the awesome work that you are doing? And what right do you have not to hear it? Because here's the thing, if you keep doing that, I'll stop. And actually people need to hear what you have to say. So stop it, stop it. And she literally berated me. And from that moment, I've tried to teach myself to, to thank people for feedback, to get curious about the impact I'm making to actually make it about them. It's actually about them. My work is not about me. My work is about other people. And it's that brave piece of a preparedness to be visible. I've realized I have to become more visible because more people need to hear what I've got to say. So it, it hurts. Like, I'm you... still scared. I'm still petrified, but it's just this, this thing that I've got to do. <laughs> Yeah, oh, well, I, I I see right now, and and I can hear in your uh, voice the the thing that happens when we're um, authentic, which is like heart rate goes up a little bit, breath rate goes up a little bit, and so one, I just want to say thank you for that. I, I also want to um, perhaps create uh, some really fun future moments for ourselves for. Um, those who are listening for, to interact with you based on what they've heard with in, in a playful way. Um, and so I'm, I'm curious as you unpacked that, uh, that fear of, or that, um, that uh, self doubt, do you have a, a Mildred? Is there a name? Is there a, is there a vision? And if there's not, can we create one it's right now? Fred. For you? It's Fred, Fred and it is a little green tree frog and he sits here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like you know what I like about that is you can't really throw an orangutan, but you can throw a little green tree fog, right? Yeah, you can. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if you're if you're listening to this and uh, you bump into Janine and she's just about to speak or she's just about to uh, lead your workshop, um, I want you to just come over, uh, put your put your hand uh, around her, or just whisper to her like, "Hey, Fred's over there in the corner. I'll make sure he doesn't come anywhere near you. Do your thing. I can't wait to experience your brilliance." <laughs> I love it. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, okay, so this is, uh, I'm, I'm, I have a million curiosities and paths that I want to uh, go down, but I also want to, uh, for those that uh, like a GPS when they set out on a road trip or like a roadmap when they um, head out, you, you've still created the, the largest gap of curiosity for me. You're like, what are the other three? Oh, yeah. And so, um, 
So yeah, hearing about that one, um, would love if you can, um, if we can flip it this time, if you can share a story or a, a person who exemplifies this and then give us the language after uh, the story. Yeah. I'm wondering if that actually yeah, flips sure. the way that we digest this. Um, so there's a fabulous CEO over in the US, a guy called Ray Pittman. Uh, I had the pleasure of working with Ray when he was based over here looking after one of our our big body companies. I think it's in the US too, CBRE. Um, and uh, I got to know him as an individual versus a, uh, a person that signed off my programs. And we had some fabulous chats. Anyway, one day I asked him the same question, you know, how, how, how do you uh, lead every day? How do you keep yourself going? How do you function at your best? And he said to me that the challenge that he always felt was uh, he, he became a slave to other people and his diary is packed with stuff. Um, and part of it was driven by his own need, his own need to be wanted, his own need. To, he had this need to, I've got to be in that meeting. I've got to be in that decision. I've got to be here and I've got to be there. But as he identified, he went, ultimately, I wasn't serving anyone <clears throat> because I wasn't looking after myself. Um, I was running around in back-to-back -back meetings and I was almost operating surface level. And the business is going through a massive change here in, the, in uh, Australia. And he said, I realized I had to get my boundaries back in place. And if my role in leadership is to be one of serving others, and the only way I can serve is to ensure that I am function at my best to serve. And so what he did is he literally went, no meetings before 10.30 and no meetings after four. Uh, he would have his morning routine and his afternoon routine often meant a run along the beach or a swim, et cetera, et cetera. And performance within the organization lifted, culture changed, engagement levels, decision-making, everything improved. And that's coming out from a business perspective. But when I think about his story and when I translate it into those of us that may be running families, small organizations, entrepreneurs, we're all exactly the same in that if we're not careful, we, we identify our self-worth with being busy. Um, you know, it's like become this, this, this crazy sort of status update of I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. But busy is an excuse. Leaders, busy isn't leadership. Um, and actually the risk is our own functionality, our own ability to be our best just gradually deteriorates. And so the second law really talks to this concept that if you own your spotlight, if you're getting really clear on what you're doing and what, what your passion is and what your goal is and what you're bringing to the world, then you've got to ensure that this incredible machine that you have, which you cannot FedEx back, you cannot send it back and go, I'll have a new one, please. It's impossible. When I talk about body, it's your brain, it's your soul, it's your physicality. You can't FedEx this back. It has a limit to it. So it's your responsibility, if you're going to own your spotlight, and if you have a dream of how you want to live your life, if you have projects that matter to you, you owe it to yourself to be the best version of yourself, to be functioning at your best so you can be your best. And so law two is all about harnessing your energy. It's all about making sure that you look after your mindset, your stamina, the appropriate behaviors and habits so that ultimately this incredible body that you have and brain that you have can operate at its optimal level 
so that you can do what it is you want to do. And I think we're seeing, I mean, this is what worries me right now with what we're experiencing with COVID, because I don't think we've yet seen the impact uh, of this intensity around decision-making and having to make changes and uh, having to adapt. I don't think we've yet seen the impact that it's having on people mentally, spiritually, physically. Uh, and again, the only way that you can harness your energy is you've got to take responsibility for it. You've got to take ownership of it. And you've got to remember that brilliance, leadership, influence, whatever word you want to use, um, is, is, is the practice. It's, it, we're, we're on a marathon here. We're not sprinting. And so pra practicing like meditation, like yoga, like learning to run a marathon is about taking the time to, to reflect to adjust, to further enforce, to try something, to go, yeah, that works, or, you know, that doesn't work. And what I see happening is we jump into the latest fat. You know, <laughs> I texted someone the other day because they went, oh, I hope you're doing some yoga and some dance. I went, you know what? Quite frankly, yoga doesn't do it for me. I'm like, oh, my God, you're the first person that said that. I said, this is the problem. You know, we jump onto the latest diet, the latest exercise, the latest top five things you should do in your morning and five things you should do at night. And all that's doing is exhausting us even more. And as soon as it does that, you've got to actually go, okay, what works for me? I am unique. I'm an individual. What helps me operate at my best? And no one can tell you that stuff apart from you. Oh, this is uh, <laughs> so good. <laughs> if you're listening and not uh, seeing uh, Janine, as I have the uh, joy of right now, it, it looks like uh, she's actually having trouble harnessing her energy because she's like <laughs> bouncing all over the place as she's sharing this. And it's amazing. I'm wondering um, when you are, uh, so I can see your energy is, is harnessed now and that you uh, might be in a place where your, your energy is really in a flow. Assuming that as human beings, we all fall off that bandwagon. We all yeah. we might be meditating for 10 days and it doesn't happen. Yeah. And then three days go by and then all of a sudden Fred or Mildred starts to get a little bit louder. Yeah. And so I'm curious, what are some things that um, some things that you find saying to yourself or to Fred uh, when you've fallen off the bandwagon uh, that get you back on and help you re-harness your energy? Well, first of all, don't beat yourself up. <clears throat> I mean, we all do it. As you said, Chad, life, life takes over. Sometimes we have deadlines that require us to put in the early hours um and it, but to the key thing to remember is everything is a choice your ultimate aim is to ensure that wherever possible you are maximizing your chances to be time rich and in a place of thriving and for me what i do is i stop i literally can i know myself so well now that i know when i need to up the ante on the sleep i need to up the ante on the journaling I need to up the ante on the meditation. I need to up the ante on the exercise. So I have, I have discipline in my day. There's no doubt about that. Um, and I actually, I, for me, what works is the book ending, start the day and end the day. Um, and if I don't do that, I start feeling a bit out of kilter. Um, but I equally know how to hack my day. I need, I, you know, yesterday, for example, it was a really intense day. My brain was hurting and I just took myself off, did quick 10 minutes and came up meditation and came back it's no way to say no um you know it's 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 literally you've you've got to take ownership you've got to stop and you've got to start thinking about okay how am I doing right now in terms of my career if I had to mark myself out of five how am I doing 
with five being awesome and one being really rubbish. Okay, cool. How am I doing in terms of uh, relationships with other people out of five? Okay, cool. How are you doing with yourself? And I literally will grab a piece of paper and go, something's not right, and almost do that self-order and go, ah, that's what's wrong with me. And then I know what are the one, two, three things I have to do to essentially get those numbers up, whether it be from a career or business, whether it be from relationships or whether it be from myself. And it is this, uh, the advice really is take time to know what the fuel is that you need to make sure that you're operating at your best and protect that as much as you can. Well, I, I love the um, book ending bit. I know that uh, both you and I have uh, no particularly wonderful storytellers um, who, who enter our life. And one of them for me, uh, that's probably worth bringing up right now is her name was Connie. I met her at an event and she's in her nineties, white hair, uh, half the height of uh, mine. I felt like she was hardly more than a meter tall. And I asked her, uh, you know, she's a professional storyteller. I asked her, what is um, one of your best tips for uh, telling a really great story? And she said, um, all you have to uh, do is know uh, the first part, the first sentence that you're going to say, and the last sentence. And I think if we think about our day, like a, a really great story, um, if, if we can put some intention into the way that uh, the first yeah. moment that our day starts and the way that um, it ends, it changes the story in between quite a bit. Yeah. One of our uh, shared mentors, Matt Church, uh, I remember saying that, you know, exercise or, or do whatever your morning routine is, is the one hour a day that makes the other 23 work better. Yeah. Um, and, and, but I, I also appreciate the permission that you're giving to like, if yoga doesn't work for you, let it go, let go of the latest in, in, (laughs) and, and hold up what works for you and, and focus on that. That's really beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because I think, um, I think it becomes a stress. Otherwise suddenly it's like, oh my gosh, I've got to get up. It's like, no. And if you feel tired, stay in bed for a bit longer. It's like, just take it easy on yourself. So I've started out by asking you for uh, four, four different people that exemplify one. And I feel like you've been really uh, humble and genuine and authentic in sharing your Fred. I'm wondering if we can actually flip that a little bit and if you can um, share how you feel like you're particularly great at, at, at number three on the list. So, so when you're exemplifying, when you're at your best yeah. in number three, yeah, what does that so look like? I think looking at through my world uh law number three i have pretty much lived and breathed it in its entirety um my magic source my speciality uh the little bit of uh, genius that i bring is my ability to connect um and it's only now that i've been able to codify it to be honest or through the last book like i've realized I have this insane ability to remember people, to remember facts about them, um, to join dots before they know it and to make introductions where I know there's an opportunity, but they don't necessarily understand where the invitation has come from. And, And for me, this third law of connecting with intent when I started trying to codify it for, for book number two, for it's who you know, what fundamentally became really clear for me is it's all, it's all about what you can help other people with. It's all about being interested 
and the individual that you're coming across. It's all about exploring uh, what it is that you can help them with to ultimately help them succeed. And so this artistry of, of listening really deeply, of curiosity about how to support, of genuine interest in other people's lives fundamentally underpins law number three, which is connecting with intent. Um, because you can have your dreams, you can be looking after yourself and bringing all your energy to the world. But there is no way you can achieve the ultimate possibility of your brilliance without other people helping you. It's, in, it's impossible to achieve things on your own, whether you are a world-class athlete, whether you are a child trying to uh, get your best results to get into uni, whether you're a small business owner, whether you're a leader navigating the what's next for your organization or whether you're trying to take on the world, it's impossible to do on your own. And yet too many of us have become quite transactional in our connection. Um, I love your, your definition of this. We've become, we've sipping relationships and conversations and it's all sort of superficial. And my challenge to, to the readers through this book and my other book is actually we need to be brave enough, which is why owning your spotlight is important, to go deeper. We have to be brave enough to have gulping, as you call them, Chad, conversations. Uh, we have to actually also be brave enough to have the difficult conversations, the ones where, particularly right now, <clears throat> our, our unconscious belief systems, our uh, cultural ancestral voices are telling us how we should be behaving and what we should be thinking. We have to be brave enough, if we're going to connect with intent and in the right way, to be curious about how we need to change, what we need to think differently. Um, about the diversity of thought. And it's only when you can do that that you will engage deeper, that you will be able to bring an incredible inner circle of people into your world that want to support you uh, over time, and that you're able to unlock the collaborative ideas and genius and inspirations that the future actually needs. And a classic example of this, Chad, and again, this talks to Fred, actually, as well, so um, going into COVID, um, you know, where the world is being massively disrupted, where people are quite fearful and uh, the reality is everyone almost regressed back to the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy of needs of protecting myself. I'm about to launch a book encouraging people to stand up and be brilliant and take ownership. I literally went, what the hell am I doing? Oh, my God. I'm also about to launch a book where there's no retail stores and no airports and no traveling, which was my my planned way of launching this book. And I phoned I was on the phone to a, one of my inner circle, a guy called Shane Hatton. And he said, Janine, ask for help. I went, what? Which is crazy. It's, it's like the builder that never finishes house. Right. Uh, the architect that can't design their own thing. It, I said, oh, part of my IP. I said, sorry. He said, Janine, you need to live your IP. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, you have got thousands of people following you on social media platforms. You've got an incredible database. You've trained hundreds and hundreds of people around the world. Ask for help. Ask them to help you. I go, what, but why would they? He said, because they love you and your work. I challenge you. 
So, Chad, what I did is, and you may have seen the video on LinkedIn, I literally posted a very vulnerable video that asked people to help me. And I, po- and I remember sitting in my office going, oh, my God, Fred, don't do it. People are going to think you're stupid. No one's going to answer. Weirdos will come and call you. Like, who do you think you are? And I, went, I literally, shut up, Fred, and press the button. And this video went into the ether. I spent three days, Chad, answering emails. Three days of people emailing me. They're still coming in now. I want to help. I want to help. I want to help. I want to help. So essentially what I did is I then went, okay, next brave thing. I'm going to do a Zoom call and whoever wants to join me can. No agenda. But if you're interested in helping me, join me on this call. I nearly cried because I literally must have had seven pages of people on Zoom from around the world. I had someone calling in from 3 a.m. in London, through the U.S. I had someone from South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, people I didn't know on this call because they wanted to help. Wow. And I just, I literally (laughs) went, and, and so I am still living and breathing I'm actually doing a living and breathing experiment into this IP around true engagement, true connection and true collaboration, which you will start to see because all of the stuff that you're seeing on social media about the book at the moment is nothing to do with me. It's all the cheer squad around the world that are now getting on the phone on this Zoom call with me every Monday because they can't wait to hear how many books have been sold. They want to know what else they can do. They're asking, give me photos. Can you do this? Too? And it's literally like I've got goosebumps just thinking about it. And, um, and uh, Shane came back to me and said, told you, literally, I told you so. Told you so. And this is, <laughs> this is what happens when you connect with intent, when you connect with heart, when, when you absolutely, it's nothing about you. It's all about wanting to help other people succeed which which is my innate being to be honest um so i live and breathe that stuff oh so uh such a powerful reminder particularly the moment that you're on the fence of pressing that button because um every single person listening to this probably in the next 24 hours will have a moment maybe it'll be less uh sweat inducing but (laughs) they'll have a moment where they're metaphorically able to press the button or not press the button. Yeah. And so um, I guess to, to get them to, to pressing the button and to start to um, bring us home here, yeah. I'm wondering, uh, without knowing fully uh, what law number four is, I'm wondering um, how can law number four help us press the button, get to that uh, place of, yeah, of turning this uh, brilliance into action? I think that the the story that I shared that Lane gave me when she gave that roasting, it connects these two things. So law number four is all about uh, uh, magnifying your influence. It's all about um, continuing to accelerate your growth, uh, leading other people, which ultimately is all about meeting people where they're at and helping them along their own journey in a desired direction and all about magnifying the people around you, all about sponsorship essentially is law number four. And and the reason why it connects so deeply to law number three and connecting with intent is is the people that you surround yourself with fuel your self-belief. They see possibility where you see impossibility. 
they're holding you accountable. They're like this, I, I visualize it as almost this beautiful, nice, cozy blanket that is going, you're all right, we got you back. It's okay, we're here, don't worry about it. And, and yes, they'll commiserate with you because it's not all unicorns and rainbows by any means, but they, they don't want to create drama. Their role is they lift you out of it and get you back on track towards where it is that you're having. And so those people almost become our security blanket to help us live law number four, which is all about this ability to magnify your influence, to ensure that you're not holding and hoarding your ideas to yourself, but you're actually leading your industry, your world, your family, your society, your community, and being brave enough to speak up and share your voice, to ensure that, that you are um, doing it consistently and that you realize that actually your job only ever is to make people around you even better. That's, that's all we've got to do. Um, it's not about keeping it all to yourself. It's, it's, it's not about survival of the fittest or, you know, protecting myself from, from other people. Your role only ever is about um, helping others rise more, helping others become more, helping others magnify and amplify their genius, their brilliance, because that's the only way we're ever going to change anything. It's the only way we're going to lead organizations through and out of this current situation that we're in. It's the only way we're going to evolve from disconnection to connection, from fractured working to clarity, from uh, uh, overlaying fear or placing fear and anxiety with a sense of calmness, of helping everybody feel like they actually matter that they have a reason for being. And your job, my, I believe the job of any leader um, actually is about creating that space to allow other people to thrive. And so it comes back to law one, because how can you create a space for other people to thrive if you're doubting yourself, if you feel like an imposter, if you don't have any belief really in what you're doing, if you're not brave enough to speak up? And this is where this cycle um, I want to break it. And it keeps coming back. So the whole book, Chad, it, it is an ever-evolving thing because I think I really truly believe that life is about one of constant growth, constant learning, constant development. It's one of constant reflection. You never get there. I love Simon Sinek's work at the moment around the infinite game. It's exactly what our lives are. We're an infinite game. There is no end. And so this book, the intention is to give people a framework to be able to see where they're at and go, okay, this is what I need to work on right now. Because if I work on that, that becomes better. Number three becomes better. Number four becomes better. Oh my God, I'm struggling with my leadership. What's going on? Ah, I forgot to earn my spotlight. I'm starting to doubt myself. Right, what's the work I need to do here? And it's almost this infinite game of constant checking, rechecking, getting better so that ultimately, the more you can quit the imperfections, rise above your limitations, own your incredible person that you are of what you think and who you're being, um, the more impact that we can have. And that's ultimately my wish for people reading this book. And that 
could be a wrap. That's beautiful. Janine, you're such a joy to uh, chat with. I feel grateful to be invited back to um, re-interview you. And I think the the way that you just tied law number four into uh, number one, thinking about uh, how much more qualified Shane or other people are to tell you um, your value than Fred, right? Fred yeah. is unbelievably unqualified to tell you whether you should be gifting the world your brilliance or not. And so I'm very glad that uh, Shane was that invitation to magnify um, your brilliance and and thinking about uh, Zoom calls with seven pages, which if you're not familiar with Zoom is hundreds of people um, all all gathered is a really um, a beautiful thing, illustration of what magnifying your influence through being authentic and actually vulnerable because asking for help is is quite vulnerable so um this is so joyful i'm assuming i'm i'm listening to you now live in the moment for everybody else that's listening um where do we get your book how do i read it how do i go a little bit deeper with this how do i spend um eight hours with you um alone in my cozy (laughs) reading your words and some of your insights oh fabulous well first of all if you head over to brilliantbook.com, there's all the details there about how to buy your book you can buy it at all leading retailers on and offline it's available around the world already Uh, but if you head to that website uh, there's a whole heap of exciting uh thank yous that I'm gifting people for supporting me. So bebrilliantbook.com. And the other thing is um, head on over to my podcast, Unleashing Brilliance, which again is everywhere. Um, Because part of this journey is listening to other people's take on it, other people's stories. Thank you, Chad. That's how we got into conversation because you're a guest on that. Um, You know, other people's own versions of getting to their brilliance. It's really through uh, listening in, um, where the genius is and, and that's where you'll find your own gifts and um, hopefully post when we're allowed to travel again wherever you are in the world uh, we may meet one day and you'll be able to actually tell me that Fred is not in the room but well and truly locked in that cupboard so beautiful thanks for uh your time and your wisdom and your thoughts and uh, i look forward to also um stepping on fred uh, stepping over fred um to get to you sometime soon thank you thanks chad awesome awesome we hope you enjoyed listening to the janine garner show to follow her blog purchase her books or find out more visit her website janinegarner.com.au brilliant people extraordinary results.